This episode is brought to you by ChurchCommunityBuilder.com, an awesome web-based church management system. Learn more, ChurchCommunityBuilder.com. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here. On this episode, we'll listen to an interview that I had with Dan Owens. Dan Owens is the president of 60 Feet. Their focus is on Uganda and the imprisoned children of Africa. Uh, They've also been doing more work than just Uganda. And you did hear right. I said imprisoned children of Africa, children who are in prisons because that is essentially their their social welfare system. They don't have orphanages, so they put them in prisons. And uh, it's a beautiful story. you got to check out the organization, 60feet.org. And so it would be easy for me to just go on and on and talk a lot about 60 Feet as an organization and what they've been doing even in the last uh, few years since, since, they've, since they've begun. But what I want to focus on today is the interview that I had with Dan. Um, we had been talking about what the organization had been doing and what they were planning to do this year. And after the interview, after the initial interview that I was doing for the Finding Justice podcast, I took the opportunity to ask him some questions about what it was like to operate a nonprofit organization, because I thought his insight might be a real value to the church mag audience, uh, because many of you work in nonprofit, whether you're working for a church or a ministry, as well as educational, and to give some insight for the rest of you who do not work for a ministry or a nonprofit or an organization, but are Christians who are passionate and interested in world missions, in humanitarianism, interested in these kind of causes, to kind of get an inside look of what it's like to operate a nonprofit organization. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Dan. Uh, We kicked things off. I asked him, you know, how he's making the shift from one-time donations to committed donations, or, you know, the the people that, you know, hear about a new cause and project and are like, yeah, I'll give you 25 bucks, and they do it, and then they're done, and how they're kind of trying to make that shift from those one-time donations because, you know, they're a new ministry and that's how they got started with these one-time donations. People heard what they were going to do, were going to do, and they donated to that. And how they're trans, how they're bridging the gap from the one-time donation to the committed donation or the regular time givers, the people that are giving them, you know, who commit to 20 bucks a month, that sort of thing. And so that is the question that kicked things off. Well, um, I guess we've got multiple shifts happening. That that mul- that monthly recurring giver is something that we have always, um, I guess, needed and desired. It helps immensely in, in just budgeting and knowing what's coming. We haven't really campaigned for it uh, for some reason that much, other than um, – you know, through sponsoring a child or something like that, but just asking for people to give on a monthly basis for some of these recurring expenses uh, is something that we we started doing just recently um, because we we started noticing that a lot of what we're doing is just ongoing monthly type stuff and trying to get people. You know, we get people that get excited about resettlement, for instance, getting kids back home. And they want to give to that, and that's great. And so, you know, a church or somebody will will give and say, "Here's here's X number of dollars for resettlement," and and that's fantastic. And then we come back to them and say, "Hey, <laughs> um, this is an ongoing thing. Uh, yeah, we got 250 kids home last year, but this year we've got more kids, and we've got to get them home too." So, um, 
it's one of those things that uh, we're trying to, I guess, enlighten people that one-time gifts are great, uh, but a lot of this stuff continues happening and, and continues going on, and we need to continue paying for it. How have you found to be the most effective way to to communicate that without becoming... I mean, asking for money is always difficult. I mean, it's always awkward, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, and and maybe that's just us. Maybe it shouldn't be at all. Um, I know some people are better at it than others. I also know, too, that I'm not George Mueller, uh, and while I'll, I'll pray... Uh, you know, God, please provide. I know you're going to provide for the things that, that you care about. Um, you know, there's still a level of anxiety that's hard to overcome. And so when you do ask, it kind of sounds like, well, maybe you should just have more faith. You know, but part of it, too, is God told us, Jesus told us to go and make disciples and go and, and do this and that. He didn't say to sit on your hands and wait for him to do everything. Um, he said to be busy uh, about bringing his kingdom, and I think part of it is people need to to fund that. And so it is it is hard to ask, um, but I think it's something that that we need to do. We need to tell people what's going on and give them that opportunity. And I tried to to word it that way in the email that I sent out. Is that you know um, <clears throat> you now have the opportunity to participate with with. God in this work, it, but it's it is uh, uh, I think maybe the the four year mark or wherever we are. I think three years is kind of the, the general point of time where people are like, okay, that was kind of exciting in the beginning and all this momentum. There's something new and flashy and shiny over here. I want to go look at, and so it's hard to keep people's attention for for that long. Right, right. Which you know I'm sure can be. Frustrating, you know. I mean, sixty feet. It's it's you and and those you're working with. It's it's uh, a vision that you have. It's something that's really close to your heart, and it's always close to your heart. And and like you said before, you know, you've been on the ground. You've seen the excitement up close, and so I'm sure it can be uh, it can be a letdown and difficult to see other people not see that anymore or be bored with it and want to move on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is frustrating because, you know, even folks that were very involved in the beginning have moved on. And you think, well, that you know, that's fine. It's not everybody's uh, deal. And but it is a little bit frustrating to think, well, it's getting more exciting. (laughs) You know, all the things that are going on now is I think is more exciting than it even was in the beginning. Um, And, you know, I just I can't change people's hearts or minds or attitudes or whatever and that's just the way the way it is but the, you know we still see new people finding out about it and coming alongside and saying wow this is amazing i want to be a part of it um and and especially as we start trying to move towards building on the land that we have which is still there you know we're still ready to ready to build as soon as that's funded um just trying to figure out how to do that and keep everything else going at the same time is a is an especially big challenge. Right now, you have you have a internet tech background business. How what what kind of do you find do you find parallels between the way you run a business and make sales and operate in that mode 
and the nonprofit world, essentially. I mean, you're not like a nonprofit guy working in a nonprofit world. You are a, you know, internet bubble startup business guy who's now working in the nonprofit world. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of the stuff that I was doing before has translated really well into this. But I think, like you were saying, that just running everything as a, as a business, there are a lot of parallels. I mean, we use Salesforce to keep track of all the, uh, the donors and people and um, addresses and send out mailings and um, emails and whatnot. You know, a lot of the marketing components are almost exactly the same as any other style of business it's just right you're like so so you're using salesforce you're using mailchimp you're right at home yeah i mean all in and i've got all of our websites running on amazon up in the cloud and all that stuff i was doing before i'm still able to do um but i don't have the same um you know i don't have the same parameters that i had before as a run run that for a public company. Right. Yeah, when I when I've talked to Jeff Jeff Sievers, who's part of the sixty feet team, when he's when he was thinking about his strengths in communication and, and media and advertising and and these kind of things, he was curious to see how how things would transfer over and he found that it transferred over beautifully. It was it was the same thing. It was just a different message. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's part of the beauty of it. Um, and something that's been kind of a a blessing for us is that all the guys that have jumped on board and as a part of our board, um, bring such diverse skills into, um, into the mix, um, from, you know, physicians and business guys and attorneys and, uh, everybody has something that they can, they can add to it, but it's all relevant. Now, as, as far as being able to, to transfer, or to shift from the one-time, you know, big donation to long-term committed donors, because because I've read multiple times that the the new generation or the next generation or the new phase of of giving is very um, reactionary. You know, like there is a hurricane. They give to a hurricane one time, it's over, they don't think about it again. And they're, they're, they give, they give freely, they give a lot, and they give quickly, but they're usually flash in the pan. They're not like kind of the old marketing model of long-term giver, I've given my $20 a month to such and such ministry for the past 25 years. That's, right now, that doesn't exist for the, the new generation of donor. So my question for you, as a nonprofit who's trying to make this shift, okay, what has been your most effective, and maybe, maybe you don't have the answer to this question yet, what is the most effective means that you have found to be able to either to, to, to convert people to becoming a regular donor? Yeah, I would love to find that. Ah, <laughs> that question I, eludes us. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I was hoping you'd found the fountain of youth here, Dan. Yeah, I think part of it is there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. Um, you know, people that are able to give us five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 at a time do that, and that's fantastic, and we're not going to ever say thanks but no thanks. But I, I do somehow wish I could convey, you know, twenty thousand dollars is fantastic, but twenty five hundred a month would be would you know, it'd be more eventually, but it would also 
be that much more stabilizing for us. And then you don't necessarily have to keep asking every time and you end up getting to just uh, report back on how their money is being used and how it's helpful. Um, I think we have been able to do that in some very small cases, but it's, um, it's people that we know really well and are able to convey very directly how important it is to have that monthly um, amount that we that we can rely on. Right. You know, in this kind of Kickstarter world, it's really exciting to be like, oh, I gave to this organization and they built a school. Woohoo! It's so awesome. Look at that school. That that's a rush. You know. But to say, you know, well, you know, I've been giving to this organization for the last couple of years. Oh yeah, what have they done with your money? Well, um, they bought some food. And they got some gas, and um, I think they might have painted one of the buildings that they put up several years ago, and I think they finally fixed the, 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 the leaky roof. So that's what they've been doing with my money. It's not real, not real sexy, you know? You know it's, yeah, it's hard to, one of the, you know, I put in that email some of the, the more exciting things, and um, there's some really unexciting things that we have, too, and it's, it's funny, I got an email from um, a lady that works for a church that has partnered with us, and they've been fantastic, and they send teams over, and they give very generously and regularly, and she sent me an email uh, just uh, about a week before I sent this email out, <clears throat> and said, hey, is there anything I can report to our missions team um, that you guys need funding for in the area of, you know, between three and five thousand dollars. I said, well, it depends on how glamorous you want. <laughs> I've got completely unglamorous, we need to pay our national social security bill for our employees. That's about as unglamorous as it gets, but it's still there. It needs to be done, and it's got to, you know, it's got to be done for the thing to keep going. Or, you know, you could give to this where we're getting kids out and they're going back home and being resettled. And of course that's what they picked. But you know, <clears throat> then there's also the, how about most urgent need <laughs> where it's un, un uh, designated and we can just use it as needed. Um, that one's, that's the one that's really, unfortunately, I think the hardest for people to get their minds around because it ends up, they know, well, it could go to putting fuel in the car or pay in the national social social security fund, um, but it could also go towards life saving surgery or getting some kid reunited back home with his family. I really want it to go to that, but I know it could go to any of the other things, and it's just hard for people to, like you said, there's that exciting thing: the hurricane happened and. People are displaced, and we've got to help. And you can see, well, we got shelters up, and we got a new school built, and they're all back, you know, life back together. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. And with us, that next thing is the same at the same place. Uh, it may be different kids, and that's I think what's hard to really convey. Um, we're dealing with a whole different set of kids this year than we did last year, which is fantastic. That's exactly what we want. Um, but I think it's frustrating for some people to think, well, the problem's not going away. I want, I want to solve the problem. I don't want kids in prison. And we're like, well, we don't either, but hey, life uh, on earth is like this. And until the kingdom is completely restored, 
it's going to be. Sorry. Well, Dan, I, I feel like we, we danced around several different kind of issues and problems. And I don't, you know, we, we didn't really solve any problems or come up with any solutions or come up with anything real, you know, groundbreaking. But I think, I think it's important to talk about these things open and honestly and candidly from not only one nonprofit organization or ministry to another, because there's some power in that to know that everyone struggles with these things. But I also think it's important for those, um, uh, who, who see nonprofits and ministries in action to kind of get a little bit of a look behind the curtain and what it feels like and how it really is to to operate an organization and and the the struggles that you face to to keep the mission moving moving forward. Um, so Dan, I, I appreciate your nonprofit insights uh, on the Church Mag podcast. You bet. Ah, I love talking with Dan Owens. It's always great to talk to somebody who's working so hard to make the world a better place. And I think it's so cool. You know, it was in this actual interview that I learned that, that Dan had a background in technology. And, and so it was really, it was really cool to kind of make that connection because we've, I've, I've had the opportunity to interview him and speak with him about the humanitarian issues that they're doing there in Uganda for the Finding Justice podcast. And so it was cool to then make the connection with the church tech as well. So that was that was really cool for me. And uh, I can tell you personally that Dan is the real deal. Uh, there's, no, there's no marketing here. This is straight up who he is. So you haven't heard a lot about 60 Feet from this interview because we were talking about kind of the fundraising, church communication, marketing side of things. But go ahead and check out 60 Feet. They're an awesome organization. They're Headquarters is in Atlanta, Georgia there. To learn more about 60 Feet, visit their website, 60feet.org. And if you're curious about how you could even support Dan directly, they've set up this thing called Friends of 60 Feet, and that's where you can give directly to those that work in the ministry because they've set it up where 60feet.org is the organization that takes all the donated funds that they give and they put it towards the work, you know, kind of like what we talked about in the, in the interview. And 60 Feet, Friends of 60 Feet.org is an organization they set up to for people to give to to help support those that are working in the ministry, like Dan himself, who, interestingly enough, right now with his wife Shelly and five kids are in Uganda right now. He's uh, filling in as the interim director of operations there. So that's pretty cool. Check him out 60 Feet.org and Friends of 60 Feet.org. I can't say enough about these guys and for the. Uh, to respect your time and not to ramble on and on, just go check them out. Anybody who's in the, this area, either nonprofit or raising support or um, mission service, gets it already. Um, and I think it's helpful to hear others say it because a lot, you know, it can be a lonely place to think: Is it just me? Is it maybe I'm not doing something? Maybe God's not happy with me? Or, you know, why are people not giving? Is it not worthwhile to give to? And, and it's not any of that. It's just the way, uh, unfortunately, life on earth works. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on Buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout.com. <laughs>